Steve Scalise is out late Thursday night. Scalise announced he couldn't put together a coalition of Republicans to get him the necessary 218 votes to become speaker. There are some delicious reports that the Republican House caucus is not just in chaos, but in an almost irreparable breach. As each member knows, all it takes is four votes to tank someone's hope of becoming speaker. Long brewing anger bubbled to the surface on Wednesday when the Republicans met behind closed doors and cast secret ballots to determine who they would nominate for speaker. Would it be Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan? We are now getting reports, and this is so nice. We are now getting reports that Jim Jordan did not take his defeat graciously. Gee, what a surprise. Jordan was reportedly beat red and became verbally abusive, openly infuriated when the final tally was 113 for Scalise, 99 for Jordan. Jordan then delivered a concession speech in front of the Republican caucus that is now being described as ungracious and disgraceful, drawing audible gasps from the caucus. Some say it's one of the worst things they ever witnessed behind closed doors in the House of Representatives, and that includes Marjorie Taylor Greene's wig falling off and revealing her unkempt horns. Jordan, these are the reports, stormed out of the room afterwards, shouting petulantly, America wants me. That's what he screamed at the Republican caucus. America wants me. Yeah, to go away. He didn't finish the rest of the sentence. Before leaving, Jordan told Scalise, you get one ballot and when you go down, you will nominate me. That's what he said. He jabbed his finger into Scalise and said, you get one ballot and when you go down, you will nominate me because it's all about working for the American people and doing what's best for our country. That's what the Republicans are all about. Meanwhile, Capitol Police are warning they are seeing a spike in death threats leveled against the squad and other progressive members of Congress, and not just from Jim Jordan and the Freedom Caucus. The threats are coming in the aftermath of Hamas's deadly attack on Israel Saturday. Capitol Police are calling for a heightened state of alert after Hamas called for an international day of action on Friday. Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, she's a Democrat from Washington State, she urged Democrats to support the squad even if they have been critical of Israel. Several Democrats have criticized Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian American serving in Congress, after she called Israel an apartheid state over the weekend that was taken out of context. I mean, she did call Israel an apartheid state, but she spoke very passionately about the victims of Hamas. The squad right now consists of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar from Minnesota, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts, Rashida Tlaib, Summer Lee, and Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee is running for Senate 
She represents Oakland and was the only member of Congress, the only member of Congress, not to authorize George Bush's global war on terror. Steve Scalise, who many thought could unite the warring factions inside his Republican caucus, couldn't close the deal. And just hours after becoming the nominee for speaker, dropped out of the race as Washington veers towards yet another Republican-manufactured constitutional crisis. Again, Scalise was trying to corral a party with a slim margin in the House, and that means all it took was four attention-seeking malignant narcissists in his caucus of, in his caucus of malignant narcissists to derail him. That's all it took was four malignant narcissists in an entire party of malignant narcissists to destroy his dreams. We are now hearing talk that Democratic Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who right now would easily get more votes for speaker than anyone the GOP puts up. He just couldn't get 218. We are now hearing that Hakeem Jeffries has signaled that he might assist if the Republicans decide to nominate House Rules Chairman Tom Cole of Oklahoma to become speaker. Hakeem Jeffries is reportedly fond of Cole, but if Cole cooperates with the Democrats, it would create a tsunami of Republican defections, essentially making him beholden to the Democrats. This is not going to end soon because the bottom line is too many inside the Republican Party want, they want this. They don't want a functioning Congress because they don't want to pass a budget for 2024. They just want to shut it all down because they hate government. And this is precisely what they came to Washington to do. In giving up the race, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise openly blamed member of his own caucus, members of his own caucus, for pursuing their own agendas instead of thinking of what's best for America. Yeah. When did anyone in his caucus ever think about what's best for America? This is the party of hyper-individualism. So, of course, nobody's getting on Team Scalise or Team Jordan or Team Anyone. The only name that can get 218 votes from the Republican caucus, the only name would be me. Me. I want it. Me. Me. You'd have to make all 218 members of the Republican Party to you'd have to make them all speaker in order for them to elect a speaker. Despite spending Thursday meeting with Republicans who were opposed to him, Scalise realized that no matter what he offered, there would still be, by his count, 20 members of the Republican caucus who wouldn't help him get to 218. The House is now adjourned with no sign of when or if there will be even a vote for speaker, even a vote for speaker. Thursday did not start well for Steve Scalise. A lot of people, first thing in the morning, knew something was up, as most members of the House Republican Caucus early Thursday uh, morning were openly admitting Scalise's chances of ever becoming speaker were slim to none. There's not only tension surfacing between Scalise and Jordan, but there's also been much anger between 
former Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise, and it's erupted during the past week. McCarthy reportedly feels that Steve Scalise jumped the gun. He didn't wait long enough after McCarthy was voted out. He didn't wait long enough. He just announced he's running for Speaker and McCarthy's feelings were hurt. He thought it was disrespectful. But Scalise feels he did nothing wrong and was tired of standing by Kevin McCarthy for nine calamitous months where nothing got done while he, Steve Scalise, never uttered a bad word about Kevin McCarthy. That's what Scalise is telling people. Scalise knew Kevin McCarthy never trusted him. They have been competing for the top job ever since Paul Ryan retired. So when McCarthy got it, he refused to keep Scalise in the loop on major policy decisions, even though Scalise was supposed to be number two in the House leadership. Well, when you want nothing for your country, all you focus on is what you want for yourself, power. That's all the Republicans are scrambling for right now. They don't care about us. They care about power. And you can tell by the way McCarthy was walking through the Capitol on Thursday. He was enjoying Steve Scalise's imminent fall from grace and... He warned that time is of the essence, smiling and saying it's an uphill battle for Steve Scalise, not looking good, he added. Very happy, very happy Kevin McCarthy on Thursday. Behind closed doors on Thursday, Scalise knew he didn't have 20 members of his caucus on his side. At least 12 Republicans openly declared on Thursday they were prepared to vote for someone other than Scalise if he ever summoned the courage to bring it up to the floor. Democrats are are frustrated. They came to Washington to work, and right now they want to deal with Israel, Ukraine, and pass a budget so the government doesn't shut down. Congressman Jim McGovern, Democrat from Massachusetts, is a ranking member on the Rules Committee. He warned Thursday that the House of Representatives is now completely paralyzed. He has counseled Republicans to elect acting Speaker Patrick McHenry as Speaker Pro Tem, just so the House can unite in a resolution to pass aid for Israel. Kevin McCarthy on Tuesday thought the Republicans would band together to help Israel and elect a speaker, maybe even pick him again, just so they could rush an aid package to Israel. But McCarthy was wrong because there is deep bitterness and resentment within the Republican caucus. It is not below the surface. After losing the nomination on Wednesday, Jim Jordan endorsed Scalise officially. He even offered to make a speech supporting Scalise on the floor of the House. But at the same time, Jim Jordan never officially dropped out of the race for Speaker. There are reports that Donald Trump, who endorsed Jim Jordan, not Scalise, there are reports that Donald Trump is urging Jim Jordan to stay in the race. It was a bad Thursday for Steve Scalise. By Thursday morning, Donald Trump, who has signaled he'd be willing to come to D.C. and serve as speaker, 
Well, by Thursday morning, it became apparent that Trump had no intention of helping Steve Scalise after Steve Scalise got the nomination. Even though Steve Scalise refused to certify the election for Joe Biden after January 6th, Trump showed him no loyalty because Scalise has not been a rabid supporter of Trump the way Jim Jordan has. This isn't policy. This is this is an autocrat. This is Donald Trump. He's an autocrat. He doesn't care about policy. All he cares about is loyalty. Jim Jordan claimed Thursday morning that you got to get behind Scalise. This is what Jim Jordan said publicly. He said, I told Donald Trump, get behind Scalise because I'm all in. But Trump said he was concerned about Scalise's health. The truth is Donald Trump doesn't want Jim Jordan. He doesn't want Scalise. He doesn't want to be speaker. He just wants chaos. He knows Jordan can't win. He just wants gridlock because that's something he can run on. I and only I can get Washington moving again. This is strongman BS. Throughout Thursday and after Scalise's announcement, supporters of Jim Jordan, including Trump, let everyone know they are still holding out hope that Jordan gets back in. But like I said, Trump knows Jordan uh, can't win, especially now. Everyone knows Jim Jordan is a dead man walking after his egregious concession speech, where some say foam was coming out of his mouth. Dozens of Republicans are now secretly saying that they they never want to talk or see Jim Jordan again. What took you so long? I was there five years ago. But moderate Republicans say time is running out and there are no good options. Scalise never had a plan. He got the nomination, but he never had a plan to win it, to win the election. He got the nomination, but he had no plan to unite the caucus. He admitted that he knew he couldn't win on a first ballot. And he also told the caucus he didn't want to sit through a doom loop of votes the way Kevin McCarthy did. He seemed, by all accounts, to just wait be waiting for a miracle. The only big idea he seemed to offer after getting the nomination was sending everyone home on Thursday for a three-day weekend. That could unite the Republicans. They, they're angry and lazy. So, you know, a three-day weekend, it's, it is all about them. But it didn't sit well with House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall, he wants movement on Israel and Ukraine. This is a Republican who wants movement on Israel and Ukraine. At one point on Thursday, House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall warned that he would force Scalise to take his nomination upstairs and bring a vote on the floor in front of a full Congress to force Republicans to decide. The problem seems to be this has all been done in the back room. There's been no transparency. Doors are closed and deals are made. Everyone is feeling they were in the dark. The Republicans, the leadership, wanted to keep it 
a family fight. But the Republicans are not a family. They fight like a family, but they are not a family. Many felt that the secret ballot gave caucus members the anonymity to do whatever they wanted with no political consequences. Believe it or not, Marjorie Taylor Greene made a little sense when she announced on Thursday that she was sick and tired of fighting this out behind closed doors, and she demanded Scalise go public with the debate and bring his nomination up for a vote immediately for the whole world to bear witness to. She said if Kevin McCarthy, who she supported in January, she said if Kevin McCarthy had to endure the humiliation of 15 rounds, then so should the next speaker. By the end of Thursday, Green, Marjorie Taylor Green said, She still endorses Jim Jordan, but added nobody in the Republican conference will be able to get to 218. She called it all a waste of time, which is pretty much what most Republicans think of Congress. They think it's a waste of time. They're waiting for Donald Trump to come back and abolish it. Florida Congressman Matt Gates said that he agreed with Marjorie Taylor Greene. He said, let's do the messy work of governing and leadership selection in front of the people. He said, quote, just like I voted against McCarthy time after time in public, making my argument, others should have to reveal their thinking and be appropriately judged by their voters. We elected and removed McCarthy with total transparency. Let's replace him in the same way. Well, you're dealing with a party of cowards. Congressman Tom Cole, Republican from Oklahoma, who Hakeem Jeffries seems to be fond of and might offer some assistance to make him speaker, Congressman Tom Cole warned that if Republicans can't agree on a speaker, Centrists like him may have to form a coalition with Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats, which he then warned would be a nightmare scenario. But as I said, it's no secret that Hakeem Jeffries and Republican Congressman Tom Cole, who chairs the Rules Committee, there's no secret that they are doing some talking. Meanwhile, Congressman David Joyce is a Republican from Oklahoma and a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus, which has never solved a problem. But he did say he is now talking with Democratic members of the Problem Solvers. They stopped talking. There was about a week of silence when Problem Solvers uh, from the Democratic Party were accused of not helping Kevin McCarthy by giving him the votes he needed. Well, Republican Congressman David Joyce says right now the problem solvers are discussing some sort of power sharing with Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McEnry. He's a Republican from North Carolina. Meanwhile, a dejected Congressman Mike Rogers, Republican from, uh, I don't know where he's from. Uh, Anyway, he's depressed. And he admitted that only Democrats can help Republicans now. 
Well, that's assuming Republicans don't want exactly what is happening right now. That's assuming Democrats don't want exactly what is happening right now. Republicans, some Republicans have already left town and are looking to other candidates. They're working on the phones, going back to their home districts, getting on the phone, trying to find another candidate stupid enough to run for speaker. Jim Jordan, many believe, still thinks he can unite the party because he's an idiot. Then there's Majority Whip Tom Emmer. He's a Republican from Minnesota. And many people are holding out hope that Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry would be the compromise solution because he's the most unlikely person for the job. It's why Kevin McCarthy picked him as a placeholder. Meanwhile, this is embarrassing for Kevin Hearn, Republican from Oklahoma. He hasn't stopped pushing for Steve Scalise's job as majority leader. Steve Scalise is the majority leader. He was trying to become speaker. And Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma thought, well, he got the nomination. He's going to be speaker. So it's time for me to start campaigning for Steve Scalise's job. Hearn sold, if you don't know anything about Hearn, uh, he's a Republican. And he ran, he owned a couple of McDonald's franchises before running for office. And he wanted to buy votes from his fellow Republicans. So he had delivered to every Republican congressional office on Thursday free bacon, egg, and McCheese sandwiches. Every, so you know what that, so they just stunk up the entire Capitol with that garbage. And so this is how you campaign for a majority leader. You, you hand out free bacon, egg, and McCheese sandwiches to uh, Republican Congress people, along with a pamphlet that made his case for why he should be, I, I don't know if you can see it, but this is the actual pamphlet. It's like he's running for class pre president, right? I have no interest in serving the American people. I don't have any policy. I just want to be the majority leader. He promised, I mean, this is what I said when I ran for class president. He says, I promise to listen twice as much as I talk. He pushed his record as chair of the Republican Study Committee, and he sells himself as an experienced business leader. He owned some McDonald's. He's a serial killer, and he vows to campaign with incumbents in all 50 states. Right. That's yeah, that's what they want. They want to hang out with this guy uh, when they're home. Well, in happier news, did I? Oh, no, I didn't tell you that this. I have some happy news. Uh, this is the mop-up for October 13th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this. Please subscribe. Please share it. And please comment. I rely on you to give me information and correct me when I'm wrong. Guests of The David Feldman Show stay at the Deer Tick Casino in Williamsburg, New York. And as you can see, I'll be performing there Saturday night, six shows nightly at the Deer Tick Casino in Williamsburg, New York. That's not true. I just wanted to do that. Meanwhile, some good news. 
Um, some happy news. Senator Bob Menendez and his wife, who were indicted for accepting bribes from the government of Egypt, as well as three New Jersey businessmen, woke up Thursday morning to discover the Justice Department wasn't quite done. We, we found some more indictments. They, they were underneath the couch. Uh, prosecutors decided they will now charge the, the couple as acting as foreign agents for Egypt. The indictment charges Menendez of using his position as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to assist the Egyptian government. The trial is scheduled to begin May 6 of next year. Meanwhile, Menendez insists he will be cleared just like the last time and just like the next time after this trial and the trial after that and the one after that. Despite calls from members of his own caucus, as well as the Democratic governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, to step down, Menendez says he will stay in office. Prosecutors on Thursday asked the judge in the case to seize the couple's Anglewood Cliffs, New Jersey home. And then they asked the government to seize Nadine Menendez's $60,000 Mercedes, which, according to the indictment, Two of the businessmen charged with bribing her husband bought for Mrs. Menendez after she destroyed her previous Mercedes, crashing into a pedestrian in Bogota, Bogota, <laughs> New Jersey, and killing him. I shouldn't have laughed. I mispronounced Bogota. Bogota. I'm from New Jersey, and they pronounce it Bogota. It's Bogota, New Jersey, not Bogota. Bogota. All right. The inflation numbers are out for September, and it's looking pretty damn good for John Maynard Keynes and the Biden administration. Despite stimulus to the economy, inflation is under control. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on Thursday that inflation increased modestly in September. The biggest driver of inflation continues to be rent, which makes up half of all inflation. I've talked about this before. Most people don't realize that the way they measure inflation, half of all inflation is measured. Half of inflation is what people spend on their rent, not what they spend on a mortgage, not what they spend on a house they own, half of inflation is what people pay to rent. People who rent in America live at, oh, I'm sorry, half of the people who rent in America live at or below the poverty line. And most of those people spend more than half of their income on rent. Prices for used cars and trucks, which spiked last year, are now down slightly in September. And the government says consumer prices are up 3.7% over a year ago. Social Security's annual cost of living adjustment, or COLA, it is based, I didn't know this, it's based on July, August, and September inflation numbers. Whatever the inflation is like in July, August, and September, that's how Social Security decides what kind of cost, cost of living adjustment they're going to give to seniors the following year. 
Seniors can now expect a 3.2% raise in their Social Security starting next year. A little different from this year. Uh, uh, They got an 8.7% increase. It was the largest in decades because inflation was very bad in 2022. But, you know, 3.2% raise followed by an 8.7% raise. If your grandmother is still sending you $5 on your birthday, tell her to up her game and you deserve at the very least a 10% bump. What is this $5? What is it, 1963? $5? Send it back. That's what I would do. Send it back. Seniors in uh, 2023 averaged a $114 a month cost of living increase from Social Security, and they can now expect a $55 a month raise for 2024. It's not a lot of money, but it's enough for me and my sister not to tell the government our mom and dad are dead. (laughs) Ah, that made me happy. Secretary of State Anthony (laughs) just cash and checks. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. (laughs) Sorry. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken arrived in Israel on Thursday and said Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Well, uh, they were voted in. People in Gaza voted for Hamas back in 2006, but the United States government refused to recognize Hamas as a legitimate party. I'm just saying, maybe the United States shouldn't dictate who represents the Palestinians and instead get the negotiations going. You know, Yasser Arafat was a terrorist until America recognized his political party, Fatah, and turned him into a moderate. Well, Blinken leaves for Jordan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates. And he said he's talking with Egypt and Israeli governments to try to get civilians out of Gaza. He said 500 Palestinian Americans currently live in Gaza. 500 American citizens currently live in Gaza. Egypt is reportedly working with Turkey to get aid into Gaza, but Egypt said there is no way they will allow Palestinians to escape Gaza and become refugees on Egyptian soil. Secretary of State Blinken promised to work with Congress to ensure Israel gets all the weapons it needs. And Bibi Netanyahu was thinking Congress is going to do that. We'll have peace in the Middle East before these putzes ever elect a speaker. In a meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, Blinken didn't call for restraint, but urged Israel to avoid civilian casualties in Gaza. Then Blinken promised that America will give Israel all the missiles it needs to prevent civilian casualties in Gaza. Blinken added Israel has every right to ensure 
this never happens again. 300,000 Israeli troops have moved towards the Gaza border in anticipation of a massive land invasion. Gaza health officials say 1,417 Palestinians have now been killed with at least 6,300 injured. Hospitals are reportedly running out of electricity as the United Nations warns that Israel's blockade is turning into a humanitarian nightmare. What happened in Israel, I mean, I can't even, as a Jew, I can't even begin to describe uh, how this, but there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. The United States Department of Treasury has told Qatar to refreeze $6 billion that Biden handed over to Iran in exchange for the release of those American prisoners. I don't know. You, you know, you thaw out $6 billion and then you refreeze it. Somebody's going to get sick. That it, It's not healthy. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said he has not seen any indication that Iran helped plan the attack, but he did note that Iran has a long, tracker, long track record of supporting Hamas. The head of the Pentagon also said that American intelligence agencies picked up no sign that an attack was imminent and added if they did see a sign, they would have alerted Israel. Donald Trump is going to be pissed off, uh, but let me get to that in a second. I jumped the gun. Sorry. John Kirby, who is the White House spokesman for the National Security Council, said that Iran has not, has not been able to get the $6 billion that had been transferred to a Qatari bank after Biden and Iran swapped prisoners. That money had been originally held in a South Korean bank because it was what South Korea owed Iran for oil that it had purchased, but before South Korea could pay for it, it was frozen. The Israeli army is now denying reports from Human Rights Watch that it is deploying white phosphorus munitions in Gaza and Lebanon. White phosphorus munitions have been outlawed by the United Nations. Um, okay, so now this is Donald Trump. He's going to be pissed. Donald Trump's ambassador to Israel said the Biden administration is doing an exceptional job in the aftermath of the attack. David Friedman, Donald Trump's ambassador to Israel, said he was grateful for Biden's moral, tactical, diplomatic, and military support for Israel. Uh, I hate to talk politics, but uh, this has been a, a good moment politically. I won't even say it. Rolling Stone magazine reports that Donald Trump is working the phones, calling friends in Israel 
asking if he should make a public proclamation that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu should be impeached for allowing Israel to be attacked by Hamas. A new poll of Israelis shows 86% of them blame Netanyahu. They say he failed to show leadership before and after Saturday's attack from Hamas. This is why Donald Trump is thinking of calling for his impeachment. Mediate reports Trump is going after Netanyahu. Why? Because it's personal. According to Mediate, Trump told an author working on a book about the Abraham Accords. He said, quote, the first person that congratulated Biden was Bibi Netanyahu, the man that I did more for than any person I dealt with. Bibi could have stayed quiet. He has made a terrible mistake. I haven't spoken to him since. I haven't spoken to Bibi Netanyahu since he congratulated Joe Biden for winning the 2020 presidential election. Trump added, F him. He said, the, said I won't say it. Little uh, message for all my Jewish friends who think uh, Donald Trump has Israel's back. He, he turned on Bibi Netanyahu. No, if you voted for Trump and you're Jewish, you also support Bibi Netanyahu, okay? Your friend Donald Trump turned his back on Bibi Netanyahu, not because of his trying to get rid of the judiciary in Israel, not because of his corruption, not because he's aligned himself with degenerate, inveterate racists. No, 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 no. Every policy is based on how it affects Donald Trump. Bibi Netanyahu called Joe Biden to congratulate him for winning the presidency. Dead. He's dead to me. This is the president you voted for, Donald Trump. Well, we are now wrapping up a second week of Donald Trump's fraud trial in New York State. And Forbes magazine is reporting that Alan Weisselberg, Trump's former chief financial officer, perjured himself during his testimony on Wednesday. Forbes says Weisselberg lied under oath when he claimed not to have thought too much about the way he and Donald Trump tripled the value of Trump Tower when they filled out financial statements to secure loans from Deutsche Bank. He said, well, you know, I knew we were inflating the numbers, but I wasn't paying too close attention to it. And I, it was not on the top of my mind. But Forbes says Weisselberg was lying under oath. Forbes says Weisselberg thought long and hard about the value of Trump Tower and was very much aware that he had signed off on financial disclosures that inaccurately tripled the value of Trump Tower in order to fool banks into lending Donald Trump money. Forbes says it can produce emails showing Weisselberg taking an active role, pushing the lie that Trump Tower was worth three times what it actually was. Forbes says they have emails and phone calls from Weisselberg calling the magazine 
and touting the value of Trump's real estate portfolio as he lobbied them to place Donald Trump on the Forbes 400 list of wealthiest Americans. This is a very important for Donald Trump to make the Forbes 400. In fact, his former attorney, Michael Cohen, will be testifying in this trial, and he will say that Forbes is absolutely correct and that Trump ordered Weisselberg and the accountants to rewrite his financial statements to make it look like he was a multi-billionaire in order to secure loans and, of course, impress Forbes. And finally, do I have it? Where is it? Oh, yes, here it is. Um, guests of The David Feldman Show stay at the David Feldman Clean Sheet Motel in Williamsburg. Ask about our ice bucket rentals and remember all our rooms are smoking rooms. I'm David Feldman reminding <laughs> you... I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Please like this. Please. Please subscribe to my channel. Please subscribe to my newsletter. Please share this with your friends via social media. Please comment. Thank you to everybody in the chat room, Bob. Thank you, Bob, for keeping the conversation civil. And uh, thank you for waiting. I'll see everybody tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.